This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. You may have heard of this rather scary challenge that some teenagers are taking part in in the last uh, few months. They have thought that it is fun to try and digest laundry detergent. They are looking specifically at Tide Pods, which are a plastic wrap pod that have both traditional detergent and liquid inside the wrapping. And teens have been doing this while posting videos to social media. In fact, in the first 11 days of this year, some 40 reports of exposure have been out there to this material. Last year, there were about 200 reports. Now Tide is working with social media companies and others to try and immediately pull down these videos. To join us and talk about this in studio with me is Wharton uh, Marketing Professor Americus Reed. On the phone with us is uh, Rob Field, who is a professor of law and professor of health management and policy at Drexel University. And also with us on the phone, Jen Goldbeck, who's director of the Social Intelligence Lab at the University of Maryland. Americus, great seeing you. It's great to be here, Dan. Rob, Rob, Jen, great to have you on the phone with us today. Yes, same here. here. Uh, just your reaction to, to this story, Americus, in the first place. It just not necessarily from your background, but sure. an overall perspective. Yeah, well, I had a pod this morning, and they're pretty tasty. Oh, I'm kidding. Um, please, oh. uh, you know, uh, it's kind of uh, remarkable, but uh, not super shocking. I mean, you know, kids do dumb stuff, and I think the interesting implication from brand perspective is your point about you know, well, what do we do if we're tied and we're the manager of this brand and we yeah. see something bad. That's got a little bit of good to it, too, in terms of awareness and press getting out there and people kind of co-opting the brand and putting the brand's footprint out there sort of on their own. So a lot of issues to talk about there. Jen, how do you look at it from both personal and the social media perspective? I mean, it's stupid, obviously, Um, but it's one of these things that we see a lot of on social media, which is just that kids do stupid things all the time. I wouldn't be surprised if there were, you know, challenges or dares within schools 30 years ago where people would eat laundry detergent. Um, But you have that combined with everybody has a mobile phone and it's super easy to post stuff on social media. And suddenly this stupid stuff that kids may have been doing anyway uh, becomes more visible. Rob, from the medical perspective, Perspective, how do you view this? And I guess from that perspective as well, what are the people in the medical field saying about how this got started and why this is continuing on basically a year and a half later? Yeah, I think what Jen said about social media uh, gets to the core of it. Uh, kids always do dumb stuff. Um, look at uh, skateboarders. Uh, look at uh, 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 drag racing. Um, look, look at many of the other things they do. Uh, but this way, you can become an instant celebrity uh, by showing how stupid you are. And uh, celebrity is a big draw. Well, from the medical perspective, what do these pods do to somebody's insides? Uh, this is uh, extremely alkaline. Uh, the the idea of detergent is to get the dirt out, um, is to be very strong, and they're doing that to your insides. They're doing that to your esophagus. Uh, you may inhale them uh, and get them into your lungs where they're eating away the tissue. And uh, even more scary, uh, you can get some of the fumes or the liquid into your eyes, and it can cause blindness, uh, uh, among other problems. Well, have we heard of a serious illness coming from the, these types of instances, Rob? Oh, yeah. Um, we've seen some deaths as well. Um, we, we've seen oh. a number of people going to emergency rooms, and uh, we've seen a few cases where the damage was serious enough 
that the young person uh, uh, died. Um, we have seen a problem with pods uh, for a while now uh, with little kids, uh, toddlers yeah. who think they're candy, and um, uh, some dementia patients who are unable to tell the difference. Um, hmm. the, the diff- and, and, and that's been an issue for a while. Um, the issue here now is, is people doing it deliberately. And uh, yeah, we, we, we've seen major harm. Which brings up, obviously, a whole host of issues for Tide itself. Yes. When you think about the component of uh, of the medical side of this and the marketing side of this and you know trying to be a good... Uh, company aware of potential issues with consumers. Yeah, I think what's what's smart about what Tide is doing is they've been very proactive about this, I think, in the sense of trying to get out in front of this. I think one of the things that they did early on was actually try to introduce kind of a, a recoded bitterness taste to the pods so yeah. that they would actually not be desired if a little kid picked it up and started licking it or whatever in the anticipation of potentially consuming it. So they've done some things to be proactive. Uh, I think that here, though, it's they're going to kind of, if they're smart, really sort of, you know, communicate and signal to people, hey, don't do this, uh, and really sort of be out front in terms of that advocacy. Yeah. But at the same time, it's sort of like, you know, I don't think they're necessarily going, well, they can't necessarily shut down yeah. all of the awareness. All I mean, We were talking about it earlier, Dan, of people actually, you know, creating drinks at bars for this. Yeah. Um, all kinds of additional second order, third order sort of promotions that are sort of creatively happening out there. I mean, Which, you can't really control that. It, it was amazing to me when, when we talked about that part of it. And for people that don't know, uh, I, in the last couple of days, have been, you know, in terms of researching this story, have seen at least one bakery that did donuts with the design on the top of the donut in icing. Mm-hmm. I've seen a story where bars have been coming up with drinks that kind of look mm-hmm. similar to this. Mm-hmm. To me, in terms of branding and a business, that can, that's probably the worst thing you can do mm-hmm. for your brand is to basically mock something like this. Yeah, it's terrible for the brand in some senses, but I think the protection that Tide is putting out there is the fact that they've been very clear on their communications with consumers, yeah. hey, that we're we don't at all condone this. Please do not do this. Please do not do stupid things. I mean, Rob can speak to the legal implications, the liability implications of someone, you know, doing something, and whether or not Tide would be at fault if yeah. they were, you know, exposed to this because, for example, they saw it in a donut shop or or whatever. But I think from a marketing perspective, it's kind of like a little bit of best of both worlds in some senses because yeah. it's like you get to show that you're responsible and you're a good citizen and that you care about your consumers. But you also get to take, uh, you know, a, you get to get some awareness from this as well. The people are talking about it. Rob, Rob, yeah, uh, 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 Tide might use the playbook of Tylenol uh, from the 1970s, mm-hmm. uh, where Johnson & Johnson, uh, through basically no fault of their own, uh, saw their product used as a, a murder weapon, basically. Uh, and they launched a massive public relations campaign to separate themselves from that, mm-hmm. uh, to put tamper-proof um, containers uh, out there, uh, and to uh, try to educate the public, and to show that they were being good citizens and doing everything they could. and. Uh, they were predicted to to have serious, um, maybe even lethal implications for the company, and they were able to turn things around. Uh, so this isn't the first time that a major company has faced something like this, and there is kind of a path they can follow to make it clear to the public that they're not the bad guys. Uh, Jen, one of the things I found interesting in terms of, uh, of the social media approach, and America's tip uh, touched on it briefly, is the fact that they have been very proactive. They've been sending these messages, and it almost seems like 
to a degree, they are watching their social media channels almost 24-7 so that if somebody posts something, basically understanding that they did something wrong, Tide is going to be there with a quick response. Yeah, they have created really good-looking social media content for this, which is an important part, right? You don't just want a text-based tweet that's like, hey, don't do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's good that they do that, too, but they have put together kind of meme-looking, really attractive-looking and kind of funny uh, posts that they're able to share that people can spread around. Uh, They're able to respond. They've had a really nice interaction with YouTube where you can't see most of these Tide Pod Challenge videos anymore Mm -hmm. um, because YouTube is removing them, and that's something that came about, um, you know, due to communication with Tide and, you know, these other brands that obviously don't want that kind of content up there. Um, So, yeah, the social media response has been really good, and I agree it's a way that Tide can look really responsible. At the same time, like, the teenagers who are doing this, it's not like they don't know that Tide Pods are bad for you. Like, that's part of why it's a challenge, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Um, But, I, you know, I think communicating all these risks is actually an important part of it because you may go, oh, it's detergent. I know I'm not supposed to eat it, but you may not know that it's going to burn the mucous membranes in your mouth and your nose or that it could blind you. And so sharing that information uh, maybe is going to keep some people from doing it. But overall, it's been a great social media response. When, when, Rob, when you talk about the, re- the responsibility here, obviously there's a responsibility that, that Tide is really assuming to, to move this forward. And part of this ends up, though, unfortunately, being put on the parents of these kids. Not that they that they can. I mean, if obviously, if you see your child getting ready to to consume thing, <laughs> yeah. consume something like this, you're going to act on it. Right. But you know, the interaction between parent and child sometimes is distant, where you don't necessarily know all the things that your teenager is doing. But again, it does to a degree fall back on the on the laps of the parents to do something. Yeah, very, very much so, and I think that's a message that, that uh, Tide can present. Uh, it's unfortunate uh, that uh, for Tide uh, that they have chosen this particular product. There are a lot of other uh, poisons that teenagers could be ingesting, uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah. they, 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 this one was brightly colored and, and yeah. it looks kind of like candy. Wherein lies a part of the legal uh, possible legal problem mm. for tide uh the claim that they made it too attractive uh and made it seem too much like candy or or that something uh, you could swallow without major repercussions but uh a- absolutely it's up to parents now we've been seeing since the birth of the internet uh the problem of of kids particularly teenage kids uh doing things that they shouldn't do online uh contacting strangers and uh viewing pornography and and all sorts yeah. of other things um, I don't think we really imagined that they would be finding ways of uh, harming themselves and, and almost killing themselves. Uh, so the need to monitor uh, is taking on a more urgent tone now. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great point. I think that also you can see a pretty nice response in terms of you know, the social media content that Tide is putting out there to counteract this, in which there is a, sort of a multi-pronged strategy to talk about, you know, hey, this is bad, no, 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 but also to address, you know, various levels in this sort of hierarchy of how it happens, whether it be through the parent and or the youngster, et cetera. But at the end of the day, I mean, at some point you just have to say, you know, people are stupid yeah, and they're going to do something. And, you know, what, what, what am I supposed to do if I'm Tide? I mean, I can't control everything. I make a pretty product. You can't say, hey, okay, don't make pretty products because people might eat them. But And one of the things actually we talked about uh, with our producer today, Monique Nazareth, is the fact of the actual structure 
of the container mm-hmm. which Tide uses when they sell these. That there is a kind of a snap-on lid to this. That's mm-hmm. when realistically, when you have a snap-on lid, and obviously most of the time they're concerned about toddlers right. with this stuff. If mm-hmm. you have the snap-on lid, to a degree, I think you've done your job yeah. in terms of the protection of the brand, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Rob can comment on this uh, more in more detail here, but I think that from the perspective of the brand, you know, I don't think anyone may, would make uh, an argument that Tide did something necessarily that was intentionally right. uh, at fault here in terms of negligence. It's just, you know, one of those things that happened. We just got to sit and hope that, you know, these kids will get bored with this and go on to something else. Rob? Yeah, yeah. So, so in, in line with that, there's actually a danger of the counter social media campaign, which is that teenagers love to do whatever the adults tell them not to do. Mm, that's and fair. That's that's yeah. why uh, they pick up smoking and, and and other habits like that. So you have to be very careful in the way uh, you show your disapproval and, and the way you make it seem uncool. Uh, but it does seem like uh, Tide is doing everything it can. And unlike other uh, product liability cases, uh, tobacco, asbestos, and so forth, uh, they have not been trying to conceal the dangers, and they don't rely, uh, at least so far, on teenagers eating the pods uh, for a major source of revenue. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This, this, yeah. this is a, a, a distraction from, from, from their main income stream. Well, uh, Jen, uh, and we're talking with uh, uh, Americus Reed, who's a marketing professor here at the Wharton School, Rob Field, who's a professor of law and professor of health management and policy at Drexel University, and Jen Goldbeck, who's uh, director of the Social Intelligence Lab at the University of Maryland. Uh, Jen, I mean, obviously there is... There is the social media component that the teenagers are doing the videos and they had posted them on social media sites, which was kind of the word of mouth or video of mouth uh, concern that you had at the outset. But I guess from the other perspective, now you have the the benefit of having that word of mouth of getting the, the message out continuously about the impact of this. Yeah, I think that's right. And, you know, it has a benefit beyond the teenagers, too, in that it's educating parents. I mean, certainly that their kids might be doing this, but also about what the actual dangers are for younger kids who are much more susceptible to the kind of health problems that Rob talked about. And it seems like this message is kind of working. I mean, like I said, we obviously know that this is stupid. No one thought like, oh, there's no problem in doing it. Uh, but what we're starting to see in the social media space is that the meme is shifting a bit, especially as it's harder to get attention for actually eating them, yeah. um, that there's memes that people are creating, photos and GIFs, where The idea is to imply that a person is stupid because they're doing this. So I saw a great one yesterday where someone had made a pizza, like baked a DiGiorno pizza in their oven with, you know, 12 Tide Pods on it and was Mm. offering it to someone kind of as an insult, right? Like, oh, you would probably like this. (laughs) Um, So that kind of suggests that the message is working, right? That uh, a way for me to insult you is to suggest that you might Mm -hmm. eat a Tide Pod. 844-942-7866 is the number if you would like to join in with your comments or questions. 844-942-7866. Or if you can't catch your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at bizradio111, B-I-Z, Radio 111, or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. You know, Jen, it's it's interesting. One of the things, obviously, and I think we've touched on this with you before, but it it bears out, I think, in this uh, story, is that uh, a lot of teenagers deal with peer pressure to begin with. And peer pressure, has, I think, has kind of evolved as technology has evolved. And, and there is an element of peer pressure that ends up coming through on social media. 
Absolutely. And these kinds of challenges, and we've seen it more productively, like with the ice bucket challenge and the cinnamon challenge maybe isn't productive, but is not harmful where you try to eat a full tablespoon of cinnamon. Um, You know, these are the kind of things where it's not peer pressure, like from your classmates or people that you're seeing all the time, but there is this pressure to get attention. And I think this is something that you know, is a really common narrative and story. I certainly was like that as a teenager. Like, I just wanted someone to pay attention to me, right? And so now you have this platform where you can do crazy stuff and get lots of views. And it's got to be intoxicating as a teenager mm-hmm. to have, you know, 20,000 people look at you and a thing that you did. Uh, so it's the sort of thing where there is this pressure and there's also this, you know, responding desire to get positive feedback, to get attention, exactly the same mechanism that we see working in kind of traditional face-to-face peer pressure. Uh, but now you have this much bigger audience, this much bigger community that you're interacting with, and the opportunity to get a lot more attention. And that makes it very easy for these sorts of stupid activities to spread. Yeah, I think it's also to build on Jen's point there as well. I think that that's very smart to kind of recruit peer level influencers to yeah. kind of deliver the counter message. I think it's a great point to say that if, if you're the evil company or the big company coming out saying, no, 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 do that, that's going to probably motivate a bit more. Rob Gronkowski of the Patriots. <laughs> hey, man, I'm not, I'm not a Patriots fan, but he's, he's quite popular from what I understand. Yes. Uh, but yeah, that kind of thing. And also just from the perspective of a brand crisis assessment, I think Ty did everything that you're supposed to do. There's three things that you, three things that you have to do. You have to validate concerns. You have to show action, and you have to control the narrative. And I think they've done all three of those things in terms of they didn't have to come out and apologize necessarily. They say, hey, we're very concerned about this. You validate people are upset about this. You do something. You're on Twitter counteracting. You're setting up a a sort of social media response. And you're basically trying to get out in front of this and basically control that narrative. And and I guess, Rob, to a degree, playing off something America's just said, if if Tide or Procter & Gamble had come out and said, you know, we apologize for this, then to a degree, they're taking responsibility for it. And that, I guess, to a degree, opens up a a potential problem for them. Yeah, uh, possibly legally. uh, And and certainly in terms of public perception when when you apologize you're basically saying you did something wrong right. uh, so so uh, I, I think America's is uh, a state uh, description uh, of how they have uh, owned their concerns uh, they validated public concerns uh, and yet uh, made it clear they don't consider themselves responsible uh, is is definitely the way to go uh, both in terms of public relations and legally but uh, Jen the other piece to this which I find interesting is, is the fact that in terms of the social media companies that that tide and Procter Gamble have been working with they obviously stepped up and, and understood that they had a responsibility uh, to really step step in on this type of action. And that is something that that is another angle to this story that we are seeing more and more of, is the concern of the Twitters, the Facebooks, the Instagrams of the world to realize that they have this responsibility. It's not like, you know, just open season, anybody can post whatever they want. They have a responsibility to be a steward of that outlet that they they are uh, ownership of. Yeah, this has been a really interesting thing to see because I think if this had happened, you know, even two or three years ago, we wouldn't have seen that kind of response for them. Uh, but I, you know, I think really this is a result of the last election that there is suddenly a lot of awareness among these companies that they have some responsibility for the content that they're seeing. And not to take us too far off track, but we've seen a lot of it this week. Uh, Twitter messaging people who had interacted with Russian bots in the last election to kind of take some responsibility for the content that was on their platform. Yeah. And then certainly, you know, 
with YouTube uh, taking down these Tide Pod Challenge videos from their platform, it's something that, uh, you know, is really surprising to see if you consider what those platforms were like in the last couple of years. Um, I would like to think some of it is kind of feeling a moral responsibility, but I think also that they're seeing a potential that there's there could be financial liability there. Um, I wouldn't put it past someone to sue YouTube for allowing those kinds of videos to spread and not taking any action if they were harmed. I'm not at all saying that they have legal responsibility for it, but those are the kinds of things that those companies need to consider now. But the other thing with with Procter & Gamble is obviously this is a company that has so many different products out there, Mm -hmm. more than just Tide. Uh, They probably have other products out there where there is the potential of something stupid like this happening, Mm -hmm. and it kind of sets them in a mindset Mm -hmm. of being prepared if something like this were to happen with another product sometime down the road. Yeah, I think this is a great, a great actually, circumstance for Tide because they get to sort of do proof of concept on setting a playbook on how to respond. And like I said, in my view, from a brand crisis perspective, I think they've done a really nice job with respect to hitting all the key points that they need to. And they'll be ready for the next one, you know, in case teenagers start doing more stupid stuff. Yeah, just to pick up on Jen's point, I think the social media platforms are probably more at risk legally than Tide is. Uh, this actually is part of their business plan to get eyeballs, to get uh, views, and yeah. it's helping with that. And even if they don't get sued, uh, there's a chance for regulation and congressional scrutiny and other kinds of legal issues uh, that they're more and more at risk for. So similar, uh, Rob, to uh, that young individual who's a quote-unquote YouTube star a few weeks ago who posted a video from, from Japan. I believe he was in, and and it was of somebody in this forest, and this forest is well known for people committing suicide and hanging themselves, and they posted the video, and it got so many clicks. Yeah, at some point, those things are going to build up. There's going to be enough of them Mm. uh, that the pressure on Congress, state legislatures, and so forth uh, is going to be quite strong, and they're going to be facing a a legal as as well as a, a public relations backlash. Jen? I think this is really interesting because there is a lot of illegal stuff that's in videos on YouTube. Uh, I mean, we can just talk about drug use. It, you have to do a very simple search. You can find tons of people taking drugs on mm-hmm. YouTube. Uh, you know, you can report that, and they'll probably take it down. They'll take down illegal activity, but drugs and guns and all kinds of illegal things are all over those platforms. So it does raise a question. You know, here we have a company who's advocating it. It's easy to find those videos and take them down because they have Tide Pod Challenge in the name. Um, But are they going to start having to take responsibility Mm. for videos that endorse and support other kinds of illegal activity? So far, we've basically seen it with a few handful of things like this and terrorism, but if they're going to have to start being responsible for monitoring that kind of content, mm. it's going to be tough. And to just throw in one personal thing, you know, we've talked before on the show that I have uh, social media channels for my golden retrievers. Yeah. Every video I post for my golden retrievers gets flagged as inappropriate by YouTube, and I have to request a manual <laughs> review. I have no idea why, right? <laughs> but it suggests that they're automated filters that are Ooh. looking for bad content. I think maybe they think the dogs are porn. I don't know. <laughs> But it's not working, right? So I have, like, daily requests for someone to watch my videos and make mark them as appropriate. Mm. So they're going to need, like, humans to review mm. all this kind of content. And if yeah. we expand it out to this other activity, that is a huge challenge. And we're talking about tens of thousands of people who are going to have to do that mm-hmm. employed by these companies. But, but to a degree, they're already starting to do that, right, Jen? 
They are. Uh, you know, we're seeing it. Uh, Facebook is starting to do it with their kinds of content. Um, YouTube certainly is doing some of it, and they're responding also to public outcry, like with the Logan Paul video that you mentioned from the suicide forest in Japan. Um, they are bringing on thousands of people, but as we expand the kind of content that they might have to monitor, and especially if it moves into things like state legislatures, uh, like Rob suggested, it's going to be such a huge problem. We're either going to have to see a really big advance in the quality of the AI, um, and we're just not there yet, and I say that as an artificial intelligence researcher, um, or we're going to see, you know, big changes in the way these platforms handle content and users and, um, you know, what gets you suspended and what you're able to post. So it's going to be interesting to see how it develops, and, and that's absolutely where we're going. It's going to be the next couple of years that we'll see big changes one way or another. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, Rob, Jen, thank you for your time on the phone today. Sure. Thanks. Marcus, as always, great seeing you. It's great to be here. Thanks man. very much. Uh, Marcus Reed, uh, marketing professor here at the Wharton School. Rob Field uh, from Drexel University, professor of law and professor of health management and policy. Jen Goldbeck, director of the Social Intelligence Lab at the University of Maryland. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.